0: You're now listening to the River Claremont Podcast. The title of my message is What Do You Identify As? <laughs> Amen. Yeah. What do you identify as? If you've got your Bible, turn with me to first Peter chapter two, verse nine. I didn't get through my whole message in the in the eleven or the eight thirty, whatever service came before this. I'll see how we do this one. Man, I just feel, I'm just buzzing with the Holy Ghost right now. Who's buzzing right now? God is so good. What do you identify as? 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says, But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. Shout, chosen. chosen. You're royal priests. Shout, royal. royal. You're a holy nation. Royal. There you go, you knew it. And God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. Once you had no identity as a people, but now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, but now you've received God's mercy. Amen. What do you identify as? Before you were saved, it's a, we'll assume most people in here are saved. If not, we'll give you an opportunity to receive Christ today. It's not complex. It's easy. Christ paid the way. But before you were born again, when you're born into this world, Scripture tells us that we are born with a sin nature. We become born in this world as slaves to a sin nature. You have no resistance to the enemy, you have no authority over the devil. He is basically the ruler of this present age. And so when you're born without Christ Jesus, You don't have weapons of warfare. You're not mighty through God. You don't have resistance. And in your mind, honestly, you can't decipher the difference between what is your thought, what would be the voice of the Lord, and what would be the enemy. So the enemy can use you to do wicked things. Lost people do evil things, not because they're evil, but because they don't know righteousness. That's why I believe for a move of God in the LGBTQIA. What, I think I said that, maybe not, but who cares? You should have stopped at four letters, you know what I'm saying? I believe that because I understand in this world, there are three kinds of people. There are the righteous, those that have heard the gospel, received Jesus Christ, made a firm decision to live for God, uphold his values, and let the word of God be the foundation of their life. Those are the righteous that live by faith, the Bible says, but there are the lost and the loss can go that God can use the loss. The enemy can use the loss. They basically are just looking for things. And I, I want you to hear this because it's crazy when you really get this doctrinally, but you understand, according to scripture, good people will actually go to hell yeah. because no one is good enough for heaven. Every man has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But that doesn't mean God planned for him to go to hell. His plan was that all should come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. But some people don't receive him. And those people that deny God, that draw a line in the sand and heads themselves against the kingdom of God, those are the wicked. And when you begin to see some of the evil things being done in the world, it is being driven by evil, wicked people that are perverse That stand against all righteousness and all holiness. And lost people will follow with them because they don't have what a believer has. But then when you get saved, okay, when you hear the gospel, thank God for the gospel. The gospel is more than just a message the church carries. It's more than an altar call. It is the supernatural power of God. When it is declared and when it is preached, that every lost person out there has the opportunity to hear it, believe it, say yes to it, and they can become born again. It's true. And that opportunity will be presented to everybody to receive Christ Jesus. And every time the gospel is preached, it presents the same opportunity. If you denied Christ six times, I'm not ready, I'm not ready, and you keep hearing the gospel every time it's preached, there's a fresh invitation to step up and say, today, I receive the free gift of salvation. Amen. That's why it's important to preach the gospel. Amen. Amen. But once you get saved and you invite Christ in, the Bible says you become a new creation. The old is passed away. Behold, all things become new. You are a brand new creation. What you once were is not who you are. You're not even carrying over the stench of what you once were. You are literally, spiritually, physically, an entirely different person, really. By the transforming power of God, you become a brand new creation. Now, that new creation is in the child of God it is a child of God it's in the family of God it's a part of this chosen generation this holy nation but when you get born again you also get born again as a baby spiritually speaking so we have received Christ we're a new creation the old is past it no longer applies but your baby's in the Lord and a baby needs to be fed nurtured to grow and disciple, be discipled to mature in the kingdom of God. If you don't believe this or don't understand this, read Ephesians chapter 4. You can write it down on your own time. Paul, writing to the Ephesians church, talks about it. Peter talks about growing from newborn babes into the, the milk of the word. And then Peter, Paul talks about the meat of the word, and he talks about the milk too. Spiritual maturity is growing past, needing someone to feed you all the time, to get into the place where you're stirring up your own expectation, your own hunger, and your own strength to feed yourself. And as you feed yourself, you're feasting on the meat of the word. Amen. And as you feast on the meat of the word, the reality of God's kingdom, and you're growing and you're allowing yourself to be nurtured and developed by the spiritual world around you, then you can get into the depths of the spiritual realm, which Paul called the mysteries of God. Amen. Amen. Now, many people want to enter into the mysteries, the supernatural gifts, the power of God, the authority of God, without getting the firm foundation of understanding who they are in Christ Jesus. So there are people without an identity that want to be recognized as something they have yet grown into. Are you with me right now? What do you identify as? As a child of God, you've got to begin to grab Scripture and realize these, as a newborn believer, there are, there are truths concerning the new creation that we are in Christ Jesus. The first truth you've got to grab is the truth of forgiveness. As a child of God, when you gave your life to God, and every day from that moment, there is forgiveness available to you. God forgives you. Amen. You have been forgiven. Doesn't matter what sin you did before. There is no sin on this earth that is more powerful than the shed blood of Jesus Christ. You are forgiven. You are redeemed. You are released from it. Everything that you once were, everything you once thought, all the bad things you once did, every wicked thing the enemy had you be a part of, is not in your identity. It's not in your history. It is removed because you are a new creation. You've been forgiven. Now... Where we get where we, we lose this is because when you first get saved, you actually believe this. You get saved. The first time you were saved, you came out, if you were like me, you came out of a world of alcohol, drugs, you know, everything, reprobate living, just to just just like the world does. And you meet God and you meet his love, and that love just shatters every wall in your heart, and you're just like a broken baby, just like God. You're real. Your love is pure. And you just know. I mean, you can't encounter God and walk away and think that he holds anything against you. He's so good and so wonderful. It's like, man, I love you. I want to change for you. And you believe it. But then you grow and you're, you're serving the Lord. You're following the word. You're trying to go to church. You're trying to live righteous. But then you step on a Lego brick. And all your redeemed nature goes out the window. Or you waited, you didn't get food, you know what I'm saying? When you, when you haven't fed yourself and you can't control your mouth and the whole world's against you and you say things you shouldn't say to your spouse, not because she did anything, but because you're so hangry, you're blinded with rage. I've learned 16 years of marriage, when I'm hungry, I just get Quiet. I don't even address anything because I don't want to say something I regret to my spouse that I love dearly just because I'm starving right now. You know what I'm saying? So you just stay quiet and you're just like, if I can't say anything nice. I don't say anything at all. That dangerous place where you're so hungry, but you don't know what you're hungry for. You know what I'm saying? Nothing sounds good. You just need to shove the first thing you can into your face. It's worst advice ever after last week of take care of your temple. Amen. <laughs> Feed yourself. Or major things. I share this is the first service. When I got saved, I got radically saved. And my aunt, it was like a second mom to me, and some of you have heard this. Many have not. She was like a second mom to me. I spent a great deal of my childhood with her. Her kids were like my brother and my sister. I was at their house literally every week. And she got to a point of such depression, anxiety, and addiction that she threatened to kill herself over and over again. She tried to burn down my dad's barn, just just a cry for attention. And the Lord spoke to me. I'd been radically saved maybe two months, you know what I'm saying, not long. I'm not a spiritually mature person. I'm a little kid. But I felt the Holy Ghost say, this is a demon spirit, suicidal spirit. You need to take authority and cast it out of her. And so I'm like, I don't even know what that looks like. You know what I'm saying? So all I know is exorcist. So I'm thinking, get some get some spray bottles, <laughs> find a cross, and we're going to lock the door. And we're going to get her set free. Amen. I really don't know anything. My upbringing has been horror films, poltergeists and stuff like that. But I'm like, it's a demon spirit. I'm about to have a showdown at the OK Corral. But I had enough. Well, I I thought I should actually ask someone a little more mature than me. So I asked someone that was mature in the Lord than me. And they told me, no, it's not a demon spirit. You can't cast it out. Don't worry about it. You just got to love her. Do your best, everything like that. And the Lord can do a work. So I didn't do anything. I went on to Bible school and I grow exponentially in Bible school. You know, one year of Bible college is like being thrown into the SWAT team. I mean, it was like you will either swim through the night or you will drown that was Bible college. So it was like an immersion to, to grow you. And I go back home. And, of course, there she is, still, still threatening to take her life, still miserable. And I have a moment with her at her house. I went to visit her in the month of June over the summer. And I felt the Holy Spirit say once more, cast the devil out. This is your opportunity. Take authority over the Spirit and tell it to leave. And you have that authority. And I didn't listen. I listened to the flesh. It was like, no, that's awkward. What if there's not a spirit? Then you're just screaming at her, and then it's weird. And all that stuff that comes at us, every time you try and move in the supernatural, the natural mind always tells you, wait, what if there's not a supernatural move? Then you look like a fool. Well, rather look like a fool yeah. than live with the consequences of not stepping out. And I'm leading with this, but ultimately I didn't do it. And a couple of weeks went by, and on Father's Day, she actually took her life. And so my dad, it was his baby sister, was the one that found her. He went to check on her. And if you've not heard the story, I showed up there. It's Father's Day, Sunday morning. <clears throat> I'm the home from Bible school. The gun is on her chest. She actually used a, a, a pistol. And I just went livid. I mean, I grabbed the gun and I slung the gun. You're not supposed to do that. But I wasn't thinking in my right mind. And I grabbed her body. And it was already stiff, so I'm not certain when she'd done it and cold, but I just began to shake her violently, and I'm talking commanding life, heart beat, blood, blood flow, life in Jesus' name, life in Jesus' name, life. I mean, I was shaking her. I mean, it was probably a terrifying sight because when I came out of the, the really intense rage that I had of everything, just so feeling powerless and just upset you know everything crashing down all the emotions that come with that I look up and there's literally five or six police officers that were that were cowering together in my aunt's room because I was basically like "Shut I mean I mean who knows you know what if you walked into that what you're thinking like this dude is lost his ever-loving mind I'm actually surprised I wasn't investigated oh really I think, I'm thinking, like, why didn't they even investigate me? Because I was like, you would have looked like a crazy person. And I threw the body against the bed, and I and I walked past the cops. And I was so angry. And you know, really, when you think about it, you think you're angry at the Lord, but really, what I, I was angry because I had done nothing. You know, I was I felt I felt so just 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 sickened. And I said to the Lord, I said, God, you have about five seconds to speak to me. Because you can either raise the dead or you can't raise the dead. And if you can't raise the dead, if you can't do what you say you're good, you can do, then I'm not going to serve you. But if you can do what you say you do, then I'll serve you all the days of my life. And I'm not saying this to tell you to talk to God this way. This is not how you talk to the creator of heaven and earth. You give reverence to him. But I was just so blindly angry and livid that all source of decency left my, my mind. And I walk in the bathroom, and it said, let God be the judge. And when I read that, the Holy Spirit said to me loud and clear, Caleb, I have given everybody on this earth free will. She has freely chosen this, and I can't disrupt that. But if you ever come across anybody taken off of this earth, not of their own free will, I will bring them back for you. So I said, all right, God, I'll take that deal. And it, it, it calmed me. But then I went back to Bible school. And when I went back to Bible school, I was a shell of a person. Typically, I'm a happy person. I was not happy. I was oppressed. I was depressed. I felt like God had abandoned me. I felt like Saul. I had ruined it all. The hand of the Lord is not on my life. It's a joke. I miss my opportunity. The Holy Spirit spoke to me. He's told me multiple times. I denied Christ every time. I am like Paul uh, or Peter. I'm like Saul. I'm like the loser of Loserville. I mean, it wore on me to where I walked around, hunched over, had no faith, no joy, no excitement, no expectation of anything good because I was bound up with shame and guilt. And it wasn't until a moment by the Holy Ghost when my youth pastor at the time, I was leading, I was a youth leader, but I did the audio. So I'm at the soundboard and he gets up and he doesn't know anything. Cause I didn't, you, you don't go tell people that you went through this because of the shame you don't even want to talk about it. And by the Holy Spirit, we must've been several months into the school year. He gets up and in the matter of transferring the, the transition from worship, I mean, he calls me out and he just by the Holy Ghost, Man, the Lord showed me you're dealing with this, you're dealing with your shame, the guilt. God wants you to know that it is not your fault, that this is the decision of the other person. Right now, the blessing of the Lord is still upon your life. He has not removed his hand over you. The anointing is still upon your life. And I'm just sitting there just weeping because that's what you feel. See, you get saved and you're like, God forgives me, but then you grow and you you don't you don't even have the same revelation. God told you to forgive people seven times 70 in one day for something. Right. Why would God, who's perfect, command you to do what he's not prepared to do? Right. Why would he ever ask of you to be a greater forgiver than he forgives? No, you'll never be able to forgive as good as God can forgive. Amen. It was like in that moment, you realize, yes, God gave you an opportunity. He gave you an opportunity. But just because you squandered the opportunity did not squander His love, did not make His hand withdraw from your life. For the blessings and the anointing of the Lord, the gifts and callings of God are beyond or without repentance. His love for you remains steadfast. As a child of God, you have got to grab this and realize, I am forgiven. The devil can mock me, he can throw things at me, I can screw up, and I'm not saying go out and do what you want to do, I'm saying the reality is I've lived long enough in ministry and watched the people God uses. These are not people that fart roses, and sorry for the expression. I want you to hear that. God uses knit and gritty people with real problems but that just stand steadfast, locked in. I'm going to do something for God. I'm going to do something for God. Yeah, I screwed up, but devil, I'm never doing that again. I throw myself at the mercy seat of God, and his hand will sustain me. My story does not end in defeat. My story ends in victory, for that's the price that he paid for me. I walk in that. Sometimes it takes faith. Sometimes it takes just stirring that up. Sometimes it takes revival to come in the glory of God to saturate you, to break those things off, to reignite within you that moment of life-changing grace that came upon you. But you are forgiven. And on top of that, if you're forgiven, you're not supposed to go around bearing grudges on everybody that's ever done you wrong. You're not supposed to come and get offended at everything that happens. I can't believe they said that. I can't believe they did that. I can't believe they looked at me that way. They didn't look at you that way. They were looking past you. Seriously. But you get to this place, you've got to forgive. And sometimes that takes faith too. Just as it takes faith to receive forgiveness, it takes faith to give forgiveness. And you just got to be, Lord, I forgive them. I forgive him, 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 I release them, 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 I bless him, 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 I bless him. Lord bless their socks off. Let let the windows of heaven rain down upon their life, and you've got to do that. Else you walk around a shell of a person. No victory in your life, even though you're supposed to have victory. I'm a new creation, but I'm actually defeated because I'm still held captive from something I did or something someone else did. No, that's not the, that, that's a new creation. This is a truth of the new creation. You're forgiven and you forgive. Come on, somebody. So I don't know if there's guilt in your life, whatever it is you did wrong. I meet so many people. The divorce, God will never use me. I went through divorce. Most of the people, if you look at some of the giants in the kingdom of God that God is using right now, have gone through divorce. So, yeah, your denomination might write you off, but the king of glory, the one that the anointing comes from, didn't write you off. Oh, but I'm a woman. I'm a single woman. Oh, oh, that that eliminates you? So maybe some Yahoo head that has a problem with ladies will tell you that God can't use you. But let me tell you, the anointing of God still flows through a powerful single woman just as it did through a man with 18 kids. Amen. God's not a respecter of persons. you got to get to the point. I believe it. I believe God is on my side. That's what the devil wants to do is to convince you God's not on your side. If you can get to that revelation, God's probably abandoned me, uh, that's it. Then he has eliminated the entire call of God on your life. But if you stand firm in the forgiveness of God, you walk in it. Amen. Amen. And that leads to the next thing. One of the foundational truths of a new creation is authority. As a born-again believer, you have authority. The Bible, now as a, as a non-believer... There is no power in your life over the devil. But through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, when you become a new creation by Christ Jesus, the Bible says clearly that you tread on serpents and scorpions. That the enemy is defeated and he is beneath your feet. You have authority over the works of hell. Come on. That's why when a believer prays, even if you're not there, if you begin to pray, look at Russia. Russia's having civil war. It's not civil war against the war with the Ukraine. It's people coming to bombard Moscow to try and take control of the government because more wicked people want power for nuclear weapons to break out all hell. It's demonically driven. But the church, even though we don't have a ticket to Moscow, even though we don't know their names or the spiritual names behind it, we still have authority. Come on. And while the, in our prayer closet in America, while we sip on hot chocolate, we can still bind the devil and his maneuvers. There is authority in the church of Jesus Christ. And you've got to understand, that's my reality. I have authority. When I pray, I'm not throwing a dart hoping to hit a target. I'm not gambling. I'm not playing 30% odds. I am binding the devil, and the devil has to respect the authority upon my life. Life because i am not what i once was i'm a child of the holy ghost and when i pray chains bind demonic entities hearts get transformed when i plead the blood devil you can't touch that person let me tell you right now if i plead the blood on you you might not want to know god but you ain't gonna run away from god because i've done claimed you snared you up like a bolo from god i'm trying to get away But someone pled the blood. How many people are in here because somebody pled the blood? Come on, somebody. Say, well, I hope it works. I hope it sticks. This isn't a gamble. Man, God, I hope I catch you at a good time. There's authority in you. In you. You can literally stop the enemy in his tracks. When you take authority, the enemy has to yield to you. He is beneath your feet. Come on, somebody. Whose feet? Your feet. Why? Because I'm a new creation through Christ Jesus. Come on. I have been made a joint heir with Christ Jesus. I am seated in heavenly places at the throne room of God. When I pray, I pray from the place that God says I am. I am a chosen generation and a royal priesthood and a holy nation, God's own chosen people. And when I pray and when I bind, something happens. Oh, when I pray and I say angels go forth, you don't see it, but I see it by the Spirit. There are nine-foot, ten-foot warring angels set apart in armor going forth into this world. And when I loose them, you better watch out hell because I'm coming and heaven's coming with me. When I pray, I get results. When I speak, something happens. When I stir myself to action, heaven comes with me as authority. Authority, so you. who do you identify as? You identify as a child of God. That's who you are. That's what he purchased for you. Not so you would walk around scared of the enemy, but so you would walk around causing the enemy havoc everywhere you go. Amen, somebody. When you show up, something changes. You buy a house, I don't care if 18 witches... Sacrifice seven people in the place, bleeding demonic agendas on that house. The moment you step in, there's a new sheriff in town. And this house is blessed to the Lord. And the peace of God's in it, and the favor of God's in it, and health and and and, and healing and glory and, and everything of God rests in this place. And everything demonic took off the moment you step foot on the premises. Come on, somebody. Vacate the premises, hell, for you have no access to what God has given me. Everywhere the sole of my foot treads, God gives it unto me. Amen. 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 Don't care. The people get in this whole agenda. Well, you gotta watch out. What did the devil do? The devil got defeated. That's what he did. The devil messed up when he tried to take out Christ Jesus on Calvary's Hill. And Colossians says God made a public spectacle of him that day, defeating him once and for all. And that God leads us into all triumph. I don't hope I win, I always win because Christ Jesus is on my side. Hey, somebody. There's authority. You've been given God's name, His name. That name that has been elevated above every name has been given unto every single one of you. And in that name, every knee knee will bow and every devil of hell will flee the premises. Thank you, Jesus. We stop the devil. We stop the devil. There might be a plan to tear down America. There might have been a plan, 2020, to kill millions and millions of people and to shut the church forever. But guess what? It backfired and it failed. And you may be regrouping in Washington, D.C. or wherever you demonic agendas assemble yourselves, making a plan to take out the church. But let me tell you something. Christ Jesus said it, and it's our eternal truth, that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. As long as the church remains, you may see us as a bunch of scattered, hippie-looking, yuppie weirdos. Oh, it's those Jesus Bible-toting, tongue-talking strange people. But guess what? Hell does not see us that way. Hell sees us as the arsenal and the army that always wins. Come on now. When we march on the premises, they know just pack up your bags and get out of here because this one's over with, boys. We met, a, we met a guy years ago, I don't even remember where we were, that he, he said to us, and I don't put much stock in this stuff, but he said he literally consciously worshipped Satan, was a follower of Satan because he was seeking after supernatural power and got into this whole group of people that would astral project themselves. The Bible talks about that even. It's in Scripture where Solomon would do it. He'd leave his body and spiritually travel, and they would go over neighborhoods and they would place curses on neighborhoods. And so there is a demonic world that exists. And he said, but this guy said this. He said, the reason why I serve the Lord is because when I would do that, if we were flying in the spirit trying to curse neighborhoods, if there was one family in the neighborhood that would pray and cover that neighborhood, there is no curse that we could ever allow to stick in that neighborhood. He said, the more I did it, the more I began to realize, how come I thought that I was doing this for power, but one person praying in a neighborhood covers the entire neighborhood. I don't know if that's true. That's what he said. But I can tell you this. I know it's true by the word of God that if you take territory and you walk in that neighborhood and say, my, if I live here, if my house is here, this neighborhood will be blessed. Come on. No, no child kidnapper will walk our streets. The angels of God will make their van break down seven blocks away in Jesus' mighty name. No, no murdering spirit. You got to stir this up. Am I, am I hitting you? The- you all right with me? It's authority. Jesus said it in Matthew 28. I have given all authority in heaven. I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And I'm closing with this. You have authority. You have authority when you pray. And I'm not trying to negate it, but I, I, I want to tell you this. I believe in, in gathering with, with people to pray. But until you actually pray it yourself, stop trying to find someone else to pray it for you. You step up, and you just find someone to agree with what you're already declaring, and something changes at that moment. It's when it's uttered from your mouth and say, no, this is what's going to happen. Then someone agrees with you, guess what? Something just was released. In closing with this, an absolute truth of the new creation is eternity. You are no longer living a short life. You are eternal. You have everlasting life, according to Scripture. You will not know death. Death is behind you and life is ahead of you. Life forevermore that is abundant that flows from the throne of God is your portion. This life is but a vapor to you. This world is not your end. That gives you peace because when you let eternity really be in you and you realize, I'm living for eternity. It removes all the pressure. I don't have to keep up with the Joneses here. I don't have to prove something here. I just have to love God and follow his voice and do what he tells me each and every day. Because this short window of my life is but a short window of my life. And I'm crossing into heaven where there is a mansion laid up for me. I don't have to do this, I don't have to prove that. I walk with peace because I am eternal. You can't kill a born again believer, you cannot die. Come on, somebody. You cannot die. A bomb might take you out, but all it did was upgrade your address. Yeah. You just moved uptown. Come on, somebody. Headed on up. <laughs> eternity. Eternity is in you. When you let eternity get in you and you realize, I'm not living a short life. I'm living for y- forever from now on. I'm not just trying to develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit now and have just a little while to develop it. I've began the most glorious relationship that I'm going to have for the remainder of ever. Come on, somebody. I'm loved. I'm a part of a a kingdom without end. Scripturally speaking, those that love God and honor God, when we get to heaven, with the new earth and the new, new heaven, you will be given assignments that you will rule and reign as Christ, with Christ Jesus. Think about that. Yeah. Say, man, I, I, here on earth, man, I'm not even a manager at my work. It doesn't matter. You will rule and reign as kings with Christ Jesus. This world is but a vapor and it's gone. Every problem, every scar, every hardship does not carry forward into glory. You're eternal. You have eternal life. When you let eternity get written in your heart, that's where you begin to realize all the fluff of the church, all the fluff of this, the only thing that matters, I'm going to bring souls with me. I've freely received a gift. I'm going to freely give this gift. I'm not going to go there empty-handed. I'm going to bring other people with me. I'm going to give them what I have received by God. I'm going to give them the gift of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm going to win souls. I'm going to love God. I'm going to honor Him all the days of my life. And if I fall from popularity in America, if my social media account only gets one like, I get thousands of likes in heaven. Come on, somebody. I'm actually quite popular in the spiritual realm. Amen. Maybe not in the natural, but in the spirit, I have a whole posse, a whole cloud of witnesses. When I roll, I roll deep. Me and my crew, we take over when we show up. I'd be like, "Paul, drop a beat!" You're Eternal. You're not going to die. There's nothing to be afraid of. There's no defeat ahead of you. There's nothing the enemy can take from you. There's nothing this world can do to you. Doesn't matter. I am a child of God. My residence is now heaven. I am a Hevekin. Amen. A citizen of heaven. And I am an ambassador of Christ Jesus and heaven here on this earth. So I'm in this world, but I am not of this world. I am of another world. And that world is the only world that really matters. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Huh? My wife wants me to tell another story. You alright? Yeah. So the Lord had told me, if I if you ever come across someone that was taken off this earth, not of their own free will, I'll bring them back for you. I want to encourage you with this because I would recognize how many people in here have ever prayed for someone that is dead? To bring them back. If that person was a believer and they didn't come back, it's because they didn't want to come back. If I die and you try and pray me back, I just love my pastor. Newsflash, I'm not coming back for you. No. I've arrived. Peace out. See you later. Catch you on the flip side, bro. I'm not coming back from heaven to earth. I'm not downgrading myself. (laughs) I've arrived. Thank you, Jesus, I've arrived. There's no sadness there. But, so, after my aunt took her life, I went back to Bible school. And I was in Bible school. How many people have heard this story of of the man from the motorcycle? A couple of you people. Okay, not many. I came back from my second year of Bible school. And I was in Nashville, Tennessee. And I was leaving church. And I was actually a little bit late. Most of the church had left. I was helping in the serve team or whatever. So I was leaving, and there was maybe three or four of us left at church that day. And our church was up against Hickory Hollow Mall in Nashville, Tennessee, which is a very busy mall. And as I walk out the front door of our church instantly right in front of me, there was a head-on collision between a motorcycle and a Chevy Blazer. And it was loud. I mean, bow! And the bike just went sliding down the road, flipping. The body just laid on the road. The Chevy Blazer came to a halt. And I was the first person at the scene of the accident. And I ran out there, horrified by what I'd seen. And, you know, there's a man lying in the road, lifeless. The the motorcycle's a good 30 yards away. The Chevy Blazer guy was opening the door, just, I mean, white face, just, just horrified looking. He was riding with other motorcycles, and they were circling back around and coming to check on their friend. I was the first person on the scene of the accident. He has a helmet on. He's lying there lifeless on his back and blood just just flowing out of his jacket, pouring onto the road right there. And I, I bent down and I took the visor and I lifted the visor up. And I could see his eyes. They were actually open, but they were rolled back, just the whites of his eyes. He was just lying there lifeless in the road. Wasn't breathing. Totally just lifeless. And the first thought I had was, I wish I had left church earlier today. Because I really don't want to be here right now. So I knelt down and I put my hand on his shoulder and on basically his stomach. And I was squatting. I had to spread my legs to squat so the blood wasn't, I wasn't standing in the blood by his sleeve. And I had no words to pray, I literally prayed in tongues. Because I could not even think at this time what to say. And I'm just praying in the Holy Ghost. And as I prayed in the Holy Ghost, two other people from my church came forward. One was the pastor's daughter. She ran and she was basically at waist level across from me. And she put her hand on his, on his waist. And another guy grabbed his feet and we were praying. There was three of us praying. And we were basically all praying in tongues. And a fourth friend of mine that went to Bible school with me, I, I saw him as, as he's in the, in the distance. And he actually stands up on the back of a pickup truck because now a great crowd of people were around us. Because it's a busy mall. It's like going to the mall in Millennial. There was just people everywhere. And he stands in the back of this thing and he says, Right now, if you were to die today, do you know for sure beyond a shadow of a doubt that you would go to heaven? And he said, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. That anyone that would call upon his name would be given that gift. And that gift is available today. If you would like to receive that gift that God has for you, I want you to pray this with your heart and your lips out loud. Say, dear Lord Jesus, and now a whole crowd of people, even all the people, the motorcycle guys, standing just off from us are just like, Jesus, come into my heart. Wash me. Cleanse me. Set me free. You are my Lord you're my savior. I give you my life today. And as they're praying, they pray through the whole prayer of salvation. And I'm still praying and I'm still praying. And suddenly this man's chest goes and he took a deep breath. And I was like, Oh, rabba, rabba, la, Yeah. Yeah. I went from wishing I wasn't there to God's man of faith and power. That's why you can't trust your mind. Because at that moment, I was like, of course I'm here. I was the man for the job. An actual fact, I did remember at that point, as I'm praying, I remembered a year back when the the Lord said, I will bring them back for you. And now I was praying fervently. And I mean, I was like, you know, still not praying in English, but I mean, every now and then life breathe, life, breathe, and suddenly his eyes slowly, the more we pray, they turn until he's looking at me, and he's making eye contact with me, still got his helmet on, and I'm like, bro, tell me what's happening, what's happening in your body, and he just looks like a deer in headlights, he's like, I mean, his head kind of moving, and like, you know, wanting to say something, but I'm like, what's happening, what's happening, but I haven't even, you know, given him a chance to tell me what's happening, because I'm too excited, and at that time the ambulance shows up and they all come through the crowd they bust through and they tell us to back up give him room and they slowly slide off his helmet then they cut off his jacket then they cut off his t-shirt there's blood everywhere in the road but this man stood up and there wasn't a scratch anywhere on his body To to the glory of God it's true God raises people come on somebody and on that note he came to our church the next Sunday with his mom. He was not serving the Lord. He was running from God, but his mom had pled the blood of Jesus upon him and said, you will not take my son. He will know you. He will serve you. And that man testified crying, saying he will slipped out of this earth. Everything went dark. Fear hit him. And he said, suddenly, a light started to shine. And he says, I just went towards the light. And as I went towards the light, I could see again. I was laying on the road. I didn't know what was happening. I felt nothing in my body. And he said, by the time I stood up, he said, I was dazed and confused. I barely remembered what happened. But I saw everything. My whole friends, blown away by it. God, supernaturally, brought that man back. Why? Not, it was not written in a paper. It didn't make my ministry famous. My name didn't go down as the guy that raised the dead. It was not even broadcast anywhere. God did that because that woman pled the blood of Jesus and said, you're not going to have my son, devil. And because God is not willing that any should perish, but all would come to the saving knowledge of Christ Jesus. Thanks for listening to River Claremont's podcast. We pray you were greatly blessed by this message. If you'd like to keep up to date with what's happening at the River Claremont Church, visit us at riverclaremont.com.